Hello, my name is Reverend Seth Nelson, and I am the pastor of Faith Lutheran Church in Ronan, Montana. Join in weekly to hear the good news of God's love proclaimed over your life. You can follow us on Podbean and iTunes. God bless you this day. Grace and peace to you in the name of God, our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In preparation for this sermon, I threw out a question to my family. I asked, if you could throw a big feast for free, who would you invite? Family members made their list, beginning with mommy, and maybe, ah, maybe daddy could come too. (laughs) Far away family members whom we do not see very much were given great priority. And our feast of pizza, candy nerds, and corn dogs was also extended to include anyone who wants to come. A response I'm pretty proud of. As for me, I think in addition to family and friends that I don't see very much, I would like to invite folks who are perpetually lonely and isolated. For all the ways that we have innovated communication, technology, and connection, I think a lot of us are overdue for a dinner invite and respectful, supportive company. Like I did with my family, I would like to ask you all, if you were given the opportunity to throw a big feast for anyone you wanted to, who would you invite? Would you invite those closest to you, like your children and grandchildren, aunts and uncles, cousins, or other family members? Would you prioritize friends who make things interesting and have all sorts of stimulating conversation together? Would you invite the hungry based on their need to feast, even if they might prove uncomfortable dinner guests? Would you invite the homeless, the addicted, the abused, the neglected? Or put a different spin on it. Would you invite those with whom you are too familiar? You know, those people who are close to you, but you just don't see eye to eye with. Would you welcome those with whom you have been feuding for years? Those who make you want to look away when you see them around town, just so you don't have to talk to them. Those whose opinions you find most disagreeable those who have been jerks to you or to other people for a long time, or those you simply cannot stand. Perhaps they would be even harder to welcome to the table than the poor and the unwashed. After all, if you could stand to sit around the table with these kind of folks, you already would. But you can't stand them, so you don't. It is these latter sort of differences that make up the plot line for an interesting movie on the subject entitled Babette's Feast. A Danish film, Babette's Feast was released in 1987 and centers on a small pietistic community run by two aging sisters, Martine and Philippa. The sister's father was the pastor who had started the community nearly 50 years before we encounter them. at an age when the sisters were in their prime and most marriageable. However, 
Their father turned away several suitors to keep them working for the mission of the community. Even a decorated Swedish military officer who was courting Martine, and a famous Parisian opera singer who was keen to share his life with Philippa. And the movie flashes back to who they had become, uh, from whom they had become in their old age, to who they had once been in their younger years. As the community had aged together, these, these flashbacks included more and more petty grievances that arose. And, in good Danish fashion, these petty grievances were never forgiven. I'm calling out my own here. The squabbles that had marred their past now scarred their futures. The community was full of love unrealized, conflicts unresolved, dreams deferred, and hope diminished. In a quiet twist of fate, Babette emerged at the community's doorstep 14 years before we met them in the opening scene. Babette was a French refugee who had fled to Denmark after being part of a failed counter-revolutionary movement. She offered to work as a cook for the community. In their austerity and poverty, the sisters initially rejected her services because they had no money with which to pay her. Yet, desperately needing a place to land, Babette offered to cook for free if she could stay with them. They agreed, and she cooked and served the community for the next 14 years. And then, by another twist of fate, she won a lottery ticket back in France. She had possession of this single lottery ticket throughout her entire stay in Denmark, which her friend had paid to renew every year until she won 10,000 francs 14 years later. Surprisingly, she chose to spend the money on throwing an exquisite feast for the congregation of the Danish faithful who had never paid her for her work. Now, being religiously inclined to avoid worldly pleasures like fine food and wine, the community agreed to be served in this way, but secretly decided amongst themselves that they would not enjoy it or admit to any delight in the elegant dishes that she would make. Scandinavian Lutherans, right? We can be a ridiculous bunch. This side note, I am grateful for all who join our community from different religious and cultural heritages. You make us better. Well, despite their best efforts to avoid taking pleasure in the spread before them, the meal moved them in unexpected, even mystical ways. By sharing one well-prepared and one well-intended dinner, the congregation's commitments to the bland and the mundane fell away. What's more, by delighting in the meal that they shared, they were moved to forgive the unforgiven. Admit to loves that, that had long been denied. And they were drawn together in ways that they had not experienced in a very long time. Perhaps the meal made them even closer than they had ever been. As a chef, Babette was an artist. 
There was power in her work. There was power in the meal. Of course, Babette's feast serves as a sort of allegory for communion. We are bound together through the body and blood of our Lord, which is offered freely, but at a great price to the host. What's more, the Holy Supper moves on us in ways that are powerful and almost mystical. I mean, how do we really explain Christ being in, with, under, and all around the bread and the wine with body and blood? Sounds like hokum to many. Yet it sounds like salvation to those of us who believe. There is power in the meal. It accomplishes great things. We also hear in our scripture lessons for this week about the glorious feasting that is promised in the kingdom of God. Our gospel lesson is the parable of the wedding banquet in which the wealthy and the well-reputed are invited but refuse to come. So the invite is thrown out to everyone else. In our first lesson from Isaiah, we hear these prophetic words. On this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wines, of rich food filled with marrow, of well-aged wines strained clear. And he will destroy on this mountain the shroud that is cast over all peoples, the sheet that is spread over all nations. The vision for peace and prosperity, reconciliation and reunion, ultimate goodness and grace that God gives us through the prophet is a vision of all nations feasting on a mountain together. Lord knows that this is a vision we need right now. With war dragging on in Ukraine, chaos and conflict exploding in Gaza, and inexplicable infighting here in the United States. A heavenly feast on God's holy mountain where all people from all places can come together seems exactly like what we could use right now. God knows that we are more prone to deal with our problems by using walls and barriers than tables and chairs. So God promises to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Build a table long enough for all of us to feast together. This grand feast that God has planned will push us to blessings beyond imagining. I say push us because there will likely be great discomfort in the guest list. Jews and Muslims, Republicans and Democrats, gay and straight people, Israelis and Palestinians, cowboys and Indians. All are offered a seat at the table on God's holy feast. Just as insidious, you might have to sit next to somebody you haven't been able to talk to for decades. Break bread with someone you would rather have thrown in prison and reconcile with someone you find to be simply repugnant. If God's ways are higher than our ways, there's a, <clears throat> 
between all our squabbles, all of our differences, all of our divides, all of our conflicts, all of our wars. There is a deep and abiding longing for peace and perpetuity. God promises this peace through a meal. There is power in the meal. May we rejoice in the invitation. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I hope that you've enjoyed this week's sermon podcast. If you would like to hear more, read my blog, or get a copy of my book called The Church Unknown, go to www.revsethnelson.com. If you feel called to support our ministry, I invite you to go to our church's website at flcronan.org and click on the Offerings tab. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor.